This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I'll just start, I guess. Um, just about the concept of questions and answers. Um, the Gemara in Bamitzia says that Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlokish, Rishlokish was his favorite Talmud. They, they got into a, he got, he got him upset. I mean, we wait a few minutes. So what's the. says Rishlakish was Rabbi Yechon's favorite Talmud and he got him upset and he died Rishlakish died and Rabbi Yochanan was very upset he felt that the shear wasn't you know he just felt he had nobody to talk to so they arranged that I think it was a Pdas stood there and he every time he said something he would bring like 24 riots to, to, to support him and Rabbi Yochanan got very upset and he said I don't need more proofs to what I'm saying. I feel comfortable. And I gain nothing from the fact that you, that you just add more proofs. Rishlokish would ask 24 questions and I would be forced to come up with answers and that itself developed the sugi properly. So a, a well-asked question goes, you know, goes far in developing Chachma. It's, it's, it's the way in which the Gemara works. Questions and answers and questions and answers. So it, it is somewhere if the question is, brings a person to thinking again and uh, developing ideas, it, it actually is the process of enhancing a person's knowledge and understanding. That's why there's something very welcome about a question and answer session. Um, I don't know how you, who's going to be the, who's taking Rabbi Wurblowski or who's, what's the, who's, what? Okay, so you, I don't know. You, you raise your hand and I'll can you put me on the spot? I wanted to know what the Rebbe would say to someone who is having trouble giving up his high school life for what we're trying to do here at Yeshiva. And because of that, says things like, oh, I don't, I don't believe that, I don't know, I don't necessarily know that the Torah was God-given, so I'm not going to buy in fully yet. Or, or I think maybe that Judaism isn't the right religion. So just, what, what would the Rebbe say in order to just throw that out the window? <laughs> well, first you have to open a window. You don't have to, no, I can't throw anything out the window. So you're, you're making an assumption that if somebody's saying that, it's because he doesn't want to get off his high school um, life. It may or may not be true, but you, you're putting two pieces together. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to work on that point a minute. I think it's important. <coughs> we fool ourselves if we think that our mind and self work independently. Yes, we can add five and five equals 10, even if it's not to our advantage. If I owe five dollars, I'll have to, you know, I'll, I will have to admit that, that I owe ten dollars in total. But anything a little more complex than that, the mind and the heart work extremely intertwined. And, and that's why when we say to ourselves, use your mind, follow what your mind tells you what's right, it's complex. I want to tell you uh, uh, one of the stories of one of the big Balimuses who, who gave an example. The Alta of Navardic was one of the great Balim Musser, and his big point was that people are so full of their own negias, 
they so much do what they want to do, subtly, not so subtly, it sometimes comes just as from, sometimes as not from, but the person always needs to know that his own interests are feeding his, his attitudes. So he said a story, and this was, this was what they worked on in yeshivas, this was a very, very big topic in Avardim. And he once came to a town, and somebody said, Rebbe, the shochet in this town is a kofa, he's an apikoris, and he says the most terrible things, and he's mamish a, a, a mummer. So the alt, and, and I think the rav should, should ask, uh, you know, the, the shechita, the local rav is not competent, or whatever it is, and I think the rav should, the altimara should ask shechita. So he said, okay, halachically, about pachet, I would need to have witness on both sides, so I can't pass him, but you have the halacha, of Shaba Nafshecha Tichadi Surah. The halacha is if you say something is Asr, even if the halacha reasons not to believe you, you yourself become Asr in it. So you cannot eat the meat. Everybody else in town, when you get together, best and hear all the sides and, and be mavar. So the guy said, sure. And then he realized the implications of that. It means he's not affecting the butcher's parnasa and he can't eat meat. Still have a pizza three times a day and there were no pizza stores. So, um, so he said, no, Rebbe, he said, it, it wasn't really, really epic course. He just said kind of things, that, but like this, and he started pulling back everything he had said before. And, and the altar showed this as an example of how people's, so, so it's true, the assumption that you make, the general assumption <coughs> that we generally resist um, doing things that we don't want, and then we figure out the reasons for it, for whatever reason it is, that, that, I think, is a true assumption. In any particular case, so, so everything we do, any time I need to move a step forward in Yiddishkeit, there's going to be resistance. And I think if a person is mature enough, it's helpful to understand, first of all, to think of things, what do I need to do? Without thinking I have to do tomorrow. If I say to myself, tomorrow I need to do A, B, C, so on, I'm not going to accept that. But if I say to myself, I need to get to this point because, honestly speaking, I can't justify this versus this. And then I slowly make changes. That's, that's a much easier way. And then you meet less resistance. Because down deep, it's not... When we struggle with Torah, yes, how do we know it's true is, is a question. But a lot more if it is... Um, you know, it's difficult and I have to struggle with it. So if a person needs to two-prong attack, learn about how chashev it is, how much you change as a person in the fact that you do what's right, and secondly, to do it slowly enough. The Chaznish once said, if you climb up a mountain step by step, it's not a mountain. Because every step is not this way, it's, it's kind of this way. And, and learning to do things slowly at a gradual, you feel comfortable where you are, and then move on, and then feel comfortable, move on, is, is usually very helpful. Yes? Um, this is a discussion I have with a lot of my friends pretty often. Um, there's a lot of proofs nowadays scientifically and just with the world to evolution and a lot of these other scientific beliefs. What is the Torah answer to that and how does it like prove against or prove towards it? So it's obviously a longer complex question. L l you know, l l let's, let's just um, sketch out some guidelines. The problem is when when you when you uh, when somebody comes along and says, "Are people from New York good people or not?" Well, who are we talking about? What does good mean? And so on. Evolution is a big package and includes many details. Let's figure out the details that are clearly contradictory to Torah, those that seem to be contradictory, and so on. The one thing that you cannot be a maimon in Kadosh Baruch Hu and believe in evolution is that it is possible that things cause themselves. In other words, this goes against our belief in what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only thing that exists by itself and everything exists by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So any question in that realm is a real problem in the There is no way to there is no way to um, reconcile that because if somebody says the world started by itself 
from A to Z and came about by itself. And yes, Hashem was sponsored by Kaddish Baruch Hu. He, he put his name onto it, you know, as a byline. That's, that, that, there's no way to reconcile it. And science is, is not only not proof or anything like that, it's not even close to it. It's not even, it's not, it's not even possible. Now, what was the process? Did it happen in sudden spurts? Did, did it happen in gradations? And many things like that. So the, the, the problem that we have is twofold. One is we don't have all that much information in the Torah. What happened each day? Did a Kaddish Baruch Hu make boom? Or did it go first this Bria, then this creature, and this creature, and this creature, sort of as if like you know, something was sprouting out? And, and same thing with, with different creatures, different, different layers of creatures, different types of creatures. Was it in one shot or not? Those, that's, that Torah is not 100% clear on, and we, we don't know. Um, the, the, the issues that are reconcilable need to be reconciled is more the dating issue and understanding that. But, under, but the idea of, of something coming from within itself, it's, it's, a, it's a logical impossibility. And, and there is not anything logical. I mean, let, let, let's take something like DNA. A DNA code stream, one DNA code stream, is, is, is like a computer program of an incredible amount of information. There's no such thing as information making itself. And then many, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, we have an hour maybe to spend now, but, but, but I want to give you parameters. There are different, under, different ways to reconcile the time frames, which is, that's reconcilable, it goes from one extreme, we're saying basically the millions of years as evolution, as scientists have it, is exactly the picture, and the psukim refer to that by calling it a day, that's one end of it, two, it happening um, in, in, a, in a very, very speeded up time, and the phenomena we see are just there as, in other words, Yes, th there were animals, the Torah said, were animals that were extinct. We know that. Did, was radiation speeded up? In other words, were they, were they seven days and the processes happened so rapidly <coughs> that we would measure as such? Those are two extremes and many paths. I have a friend of mine um, who's a physicist um, my age, and he's not married, so he has a lot of time. And he, he came up with like, at least 50 scenarios to reconcile science with Torah, some of it really absurd, some of it fascinating. That was many years ago. I'm sure he's, 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 done, he's done much more of that. But, but I'm saying the really, to say evolution, some came by itself, nothing will come by itself. It's, I, I heard, let, let me tell you something, I heard recently a lecture from a woman. She is a neurobiologist, and, and it was a lecture that includes evolution. So it was a series of lectures. She's a, she's a very important person. She said something that, I, I, I touch with everything as absurd as that. She said, you know, this problem that everything, cause and effect, she said, is not reality. Evolution has twisted our brains to think that everything needs to have a cause. And that's why we don't understand how things came about. And it, it twisted it, so she's telling me that logic is a perversion of the truth. So now this is the scientist telling me that logic is a perversion of the truth because evolution found it convenient to associate things. If we see an iron, an, a lion charging, and then we find out we're missing a friend, so we learn that lions cause friends to disappear and may cause us to disappear. So it's become part of our thinking process. I, 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 so, so science has now said that rational thinking is not real. That, that's what she's saying. I'm not, I'm not putting words in my mouth. That's what she. It's incredible. We don't. We cannot imagine anything making itself. Cause and effect is a, is the is the is the flat bedrock of science. If you tell me that something can have can be without having a cause, we've left science. We've left science. I, it, we're in the world of metaphysics. We're in the world of I don't know what. And and a, a, a creation is so much. A lot of if you read a lot of evolution. It, 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 many of the arguments, and again, I, I don't want to spend the time on it, many of the arguments runs along the line of, you see how things are perfectly adapted to their environment, it must be that the environment allowed the things that are, and, and look how remarkably adapted it is. That, I mean, the, the sentence that you can't learn biology about evolution is because evolution tells me that everything fits best over there. Okay, and what does creation tell me? 
I mean, I mean, like th- th- that's absurd. It, 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 I, I've never heard the dating is an issue you have to deal with the dating, but it doesn't. The dating and the str- and the and this and the fossil record throws tremendous wrenches into the scientific prof- I, 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 I narrative. Both narratives don't work terribly well. And there are ways to reconcile, but I'm saying as far as the basis, the, the idea of, and, and if you read a lot of it, if you think about those statements, a lot of statements, so anytime something works well, you say, here's a proof of evolution. Why does it work so well? It's because it fits best in its environment, so it survived. Okay, and what about if a creator created it? I mean, where's that an argument supporting evolution? There's another piece that runs as follows, and, and this is a, a fallacy at the basis of, 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 of... The argument goes, some animals are designed extremely awkwardly. For instance, a human being. Walking on two feet is only good for podiatrists because it, 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 you, 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 your, your feet hurt, you get calluses. Walking on four, don't try it, but walking on flat more stable. Um, kids start by walking on four before they walk on two. It's, it's much more stable and so on. So, so, it, 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 so the logic goes, why would God, and then you have, somebody wrote a book recently, I don't remember the name of it, I, I just saw the times for it, about the ugliest animals, and this proves evolution, because how could anyone design such ugly animals? You know, it, it's, it, it, and, and everything, why would you do it like this, why would you do that, why would you do it like that? So you're saying like this, if I were God, I would design it differently. Okay, but, but what kind of, que- it's a proof God couldn't have designed it because why would he design it that way? That's an absurd, it's an absurd statement. Maybe Akkadish Baruch wanted to show that it's possible, every possible combination. And there's, there's, there's a, a, a Kuzari who says this, an incredible line that I think fits this point and it fits another point. One of the strong, again, proofs of evolution is, is, is how homologous different um, different animals are the, the wings and the bat. The, you know the hands of a bat, the the, 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 the wings of a bat, the hands of a person, the animal. They're all very similar. The best is DNA is extremely similar. Similar. We're extraordinarily similar to cockroaches. Our DNA is almost almost exactly the same, except for one or two or three percentages of differences. So the so argument that what that if I were a creator, I would make things out of different materials. I'd make cockroach out of cockroach material and people out of people material and horses out of horse material. <coughs> That's the line of reasoning, which is absurd because we don't know what God's thinking. But there's something else that Kuzari says, and it's worth remembering it. Kuzari says, Hashem shows his greatness by the unity of the roots and the diversity of the branches. Everything living boils down to DNA. Almost exactly the same. All DNA boils down to four amino acids, and, and obviously back to, to, to hold them together, and, 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 and so on. All atoms are exa- almost exactly the same. You, and and from, from, from things that are exactly the same, you see branches. Hashem is Echot, and the Bria is Marabu Masach Hashem. That's exactly the way we see it. It's Akadosh Baruch Hu, the Gemara says, a human being that has a stamp to stamp coins, all of them are exactly the same. Line of thinking, uh, 800 years ago, that was our understanding of, of what the world is about. The closer you get to the root, you get to one, and the further you go out, the more diverse it is. That's Hashem Echad and Morabu Masecha. So if you think about it, I, you know, if you start looking at the big picture and the bigger lines, um, I, you know, I, I, I see it that way. And, and there are some things I don't know answers for, some things I think have answers. Don't, the, the details don't bother me as, as long as I know the big picture. It, it's an impossibility. Yes? Uh, uh, my question is that when we, we pray, when we, we do David, we always believe that our Tilo can change, and like our Tilo have the power to change. Yeah. Like right now we're engaged in Tilo for a friend of ours because we believe that our Tilo will help them get better. But there are, you know, instances like where we learn in the Gemara or in Kumash, like for example, like this, this, week's, this coming Parsha by Yechi, uh, Yaakov wanted to reveal the end of days to right. you know, his sons, but he wasn't able to, and they go, and the whole Gemara discusses, they say Shema, he's in Rokh Shein But 
if we believe that our tefillot, you know, are strong enough to change, then at the end of the day, it really doesn't for certain issues. Because when it comes to, like, I'm just going to give this as an example. When it came to, you know, the the times of Mashiach, it's already been determined. Technically, if Yaakov already knew, that means it already was determined when it was going to happen. There are certain things that, you know, are prophesized, like Milchemet Gogumago. There's, you know, there are prophecies in the Nevi'im that talk about there's going to be a war. This is going to happen. This can happen. That means that's already been determined what's going to happen. And as much as we daven for, you know, what we want to happen, even if, you know, no matter how much we daven, it's already been determined. So. There has to be, what element of free will technically do we have if everything's been determined? Even so so you're, asking, you're asking about two things. You're asking about prayer and you're asking about something like prophecy that's been determined. Let's give a simple answer. Um, you know, when you go to a doctor when someone's sick, no doctor has a 100% track record and even less. But if somebody didn't go to a doctor, you, you would think that this person was very negligent. We never know going into a tefillah if that tefillah is going to do it, if it's already nechtam or not. And you do have something like that in, in when we say that Sarugim Malchus in your Kippur, that Rabbi Shmuel went up to ask, is this a gzera that's absolute? And then all we have to do is say Shmai Yisrael and accept it? Or is there room for tefillah? But until, unless you're Rabbi Shmuel Kangal and you can go up to Lamarom, you don't know beforehand. And therefore, just like we look for medical help, not knowing whether it'll work or not, tefillah is effective, and therefore we need to do it. If it wasn't, we did our hishtadlus in the world of tefillah. Besides which, the, the very example you gave, it's true that Yaakov Avinu didn't, wasn't able to reveal the end of days, but something came out of it. He was mevarech, his kids, it has a connection. In other words, if you misspell for something, even if you don't get the results you want, <coughs> the tefillah does something. And sometimes we're fortunate and we see what, and sometimes we're not fortunate. But tefillah, a real sincere tefillah doesn't go rakim, but it doesn't mean that what you want will happen. It's, it's about kasha. And by the nature, you know, when somebody comes to you with a gun, he's not asking, he's telling you what to do. It can't be, we can't come to Gashbrook with a gun and say, okay, we, we said our kapitlach tillim, now you got to do your job. But kasha by nature means that, that Akash Baruch could say no. So, so we need a tefillah because you don't know what's going to happen. Every tefillah that said Belayv Shalom helps somewhere. It may help someone else. It may help make the suffering easier. It may help us see some nechama mm-hmm. afterwards. You know, you don't know. So if I can actually, like I was, like for another example, you have, let's say, when it, I don't know if it's Gemara, I don't know where I, I heard this from, but when it came to Adam Arisho, uh, he had to daven for rain in order for it to come. Hashem yes. didn't. So, Hashem, I mean, we can assume Hashem already knew Adam was going to daven for the rain. So, so you're so branching off into, like, was it, you're branching off into a very different question, not filler. You're branching off into a question about Bechir and Yedir, um, which is an irreconcilable question. The answer to that is we cannot know both together and I, maybe someone else wants to ask a different question, but it, it, it's, a di- it's a very different topic. It's it, about Akadosh Baruch Do we have Bechira for ZDF? You want to talk about it? I don't know, Rabbi, we're blasting you. you. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he knew already. See, he knew already that we're not going to discuss it. He, he, uh. <laughs> that, that raise, did you raise your hand? No. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so the more you know, m- maybe if you would tell me your name and where you're from, I just, it helps me a bit connect. Uh, Rocky from Chicago. Okay, yes. Uh, how can we share a service with more Someone once said Chicago was founded by New Yorkers who loved the dirt and crime, but it wasn't cold enough for them. So, <laughs> um, anybody else from Chicago here? Am, am I? Did I? Did, okay. Um, so, so l- let's. Simcha is rooted. Let, let's talk a little bit about the, the motion of Simcha, because I, I do think that that you hit on something important. The Kuzari says that emotional foundations of Judaism are three: Ava, Yira, and Simcha. And let's describe each one. Yira means 
an awareness of who Hashem is. You know, I can't love a Baruch I can't be pulled to Kodesh Baruch Hu if I don't understand what a Kodesh Baruch Hu is. So here, it doesn't, it doesn't mean fear in the sense of being scared, as much as in awe, respect. Wow, Melochalatz Kavodo. Ava is the emotion of being drawn to it. Where does Simcha come in? What is, it's like a tripod. So Ava and Yira are opposites, and we understand the role of each one. Where does Simcha come in? Simcha is the emotion It comes along and says to me, you know, I have the world's greatest pianist ready to give you a lesson in playing piano. Okay, if I can't, I guess, I, I, you know, maybe photo, I'll, I'll say for sure, I'll, I'll take a lesson, whatever it is. The reason why I'm not thrilled with it, I'm not a pianist, I don't see my life's accomplishment, at least until now, maybe it's sometime later, as being a great pianist, so, so it's just a waste of time for me. If I have to do a chore, I call her because it's something that I see no accomplishment, but it's something I want to do. I don't want to do it, I have to do it. <clears throat> when I do something that I feel accomplished, a businessman made a great deal. Wow, he's besimcha because it's an achievement, it's an accomplishment. Simcha is the emotion of having become a bigger person. And the two moments that are most simple is when we get married and we become the person who we are, an Adam Shalom, and when we have a child and we now have a, a, another person. When a person does things that he feels accomplished by, achieved, then, 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 then he's very, very happy. If a person is doing things that are just a chore and you have to do it, and it's the right thing to do, but doesn't feel accomplished, it's dreary. If a person, um, if a person learns before and to appreciate what Yiddishkeit gives me, that every time I give Tzedakah, I'm turning into a giving person, and I learn about that, and I understand why it's important to be a person who instinctively gives. Tefillah, and what it does for me, learning what it does for me, if I can connect to why this is important, and every time I do it, I've clicked another piece into myself, that will bring Simcha. So I think we need to, and I, I, and I think it's highly underappreciated, the Zmani Simcha, that a, a person should feel good about himself, should feel well. It, I'm, I'm, when a person doesn't do Averis, person, a person is, to quote him, pulls away from high school stuff. Um, so instead of saying, well, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I've learned to discipline myself. I've learned people who, who push themselves, soldiers, who live a, 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 a very difficult life, and they want to be in Sayeret, or something like that. What keeps them going? It's like, I can do anything I want to do. I can run 25 miles, I can sleep in the outside. Once the person set that as his self-realization, simple comes with it, pride comes with it. And, and that's why learning and understanding why this is me being realized. Even if I'm going to be a doctor, but my self-control, my learning, my Yiddishkeit, <laughs> is, was, was that a hint by any chance? Or? <laughs> I, I didn't get the first click, so I guess the second one was, was more, more prominent. Um, but, but, but having that type of accomplishment, that type of simcha, is, is really, is, is really f uh, fundamental in, in it. Um, sometimes we find the Chazal say things... Again, what's your, where are you from, your uh, name? Adobe article from Chicago. Also. <laughs> um, so sometimes um, it seems like that we find uh, times where Chazal may say, say things that seem contradictory to... Uh, modern science. For instance, Chazal might say that, that life uh, reproduce uh, spontaneously, right. um, which we know in, in modern science is not true. What should one's outlook be on how to, how to either reconcile this or how to look at this um, seeming this problem? Should one try to say maybe Chazal meant something else? Should one say maybe Chazal just didn't know necessarily um, if, you know, that, that that knowledge, didn't have that knowledge, um, so what, what should one's outlook towards that be? So obviously the different shitas and like in everything else, I'll, I'll tell you the shita that I'm, I'm most, uh, that's I guess where I, where I am. So there's a real big distinction between um, halachic issues and agaritas. A halachic, like the lies on Shabbos is a halachic issue. And then there's agados that seem a lot of times even much more muflag, even a lot more seem to be otherworld. 
let's discuss each one separate because they're really separate issues. As regards the agaritas of Chazal, let, let's go one step before this to get to both of them, and then we'll, we'll branch off. It, 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 it's almost axiomatic that Torah was given to us as a human being perceives it. For instance, it, 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 the, the Torah talks about the sun rising in the east, setting in the west. We know it's the earth that goes around. Um, but to any person standing, the sunrise and sunset. And that's, it, it, so, so for instance, let's, let's give an example that we can even deal with it even on a, on a mundane way. If somebody went to a play and, and, um, and, and you come back and say, well, what was, it, what was in the play? And you say, oh, there was a man behind the stage that was pulling a thing this way and that way, and that's why this was juggling. No, that wasn't the play. That was the mechanism. The play was where buildings seemed to collapse. And because whatever, you know, whatever the play was. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up a world that greets our senses and is mashpia on us in a certain way because that's what HaKadosh Baruch wanted to. Even if we've advanced in science and we understand the mechanism behind it, but it's still, it's, we say the eye sees, even though it's the brain that sees. But if for our perception, you close your eyes, you don't see, you open them, you see. So, so the Torah deals with us through the way the world presents itself, rather than the mechanism that we can discover and keep discovering the mechanism. So the, and, and in halacha, this is very simple. Um, if you look at a, a dot on an esrik, if you can't see it with your eye, it doesn't count. If you look at a letter and say for Torah, if it looks connected to the naked eye, even if the microscope sees a clear break, the halacha is it's connected. The Torah it, it was given to us as we perceive it, A, because it took a few thousand years till we became so sophisticated, and B, because that's how we act to things. A, 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 an esrog looks blemished if my eye sees it blemished. If it is real, the Sefer Torah is unreadable if it looks blurred, and, and, and so on. So both in Halacha and in Agadah, the, the human natural perception is a, is, a, is a foundation for it. In, so in Halacha, lies to us um, seem to come whenever you, you, you have unwashed people and, and you know, give enough time, the lies come. It, it, we don't see, a, 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 so halachically, um, we can't change it. And it's also built around that same sense of things. So Chazal, who was seeing things with unaided eyes, put this down as they just, they just come and breed. Somebody asked, cockroaches, where do cockroaches come from? Yes, you can study entom entomology and find out where cockroaches come from. You can also be told if you leave garbage and food around in your dormitory rooms, you will have cockroaches. No science needed. Just a few leftover Danishes and Sufganyot and keep them for two weeks. Guaranteed will produce ants and other stuff and so on. So, so there's a certain perspective in, in, in it's true in halacha. And that's, and now, in Agada it goes much further than that. In Agadita, the Maral already wrote a whole safe on called Be'er Agola. And he says, you know, he writes about people making fun of it. This is about the 1500s. It's not a new... And he writes about science that Chazal were looking at um, what he calls the inner working of things rather than the outside working. In, in other words, they weren't, they weren't dealing with the science of it. But once again, what does a Kachbrochel want from the fact that animals feed over this, and this is that, and this is this way, and this is that way? It's, it's a description of more of a certain plemius, when it says all sorts of wild stories and so on. The moral debates a lot of times, is this literal, not literal? And it makes no difference to him. The point of the story is always, what's the point of it? What's the sense of it? What's the Ruach Advar? And he talks about Baragol, he gives many examples, many Chazal. I also want to say over a Goyen, um, he says this in his Seifan Zohar. It says that there's a Posik in Yeshaya that behold, here is Mashiach, Tzitkenu, and it says his face is distorted and, you know, it, it looks very, very bad. Like it's kind of, the, his, his features don't look right, they look ugly. And the Goyen says this refers to very deep Mamari Chazal that have tremendous sodas of Kabbalah 
and Chazal chose to put it in an ugly shell. Um, one Gemara in particular is a Gemara about Metziah. The Gemara there says about certain Amaroyim, about certain parts of the body, bigger, smaller, that really strikes us as being extremely coarse. And the Goyen says, this is an example where the deepest things were hidden in the crudest things, and, and it's as if the Navi cries of this, why Kodesh Baruch Hu do it that way? So we need to understand, Chazal in Agarita always spoke with the message. They were using a marshal. Sometimes the marshal is meant to be very exact, sometimes they're picking a certain point of it. In Halacha, the general rule is, as it greets the eye, that's the basis for Halacha. Yes? Um, Rafi from New York. Um, I don't know Great place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up in New York also, so there's hope. <laughs> yeah, we're in New York, by the way. Um, Manhattan. I also grew up in Manhattan, but probably the other end of it. Where in where, where Manhattan? Lower East Side. Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> About a $10 million difference between the... the <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you hold by the, uh, by the, by the belief that Someone who would hold that way, how would how what, what what how would they explain what would be the potential purpose of having the universe be that old, as well as having all of the other, you know, all the other galaxies and planets and stars that are billions of years, billions of light years away that we pretty much have no access to and we can just observe with really highly sophisticated telescopes. Like what would be the purpose of creating... That, that's a second question. Yes, two questions, really. You, both both have a good I mean, question. Both, they're, both, they're both sort of going... In, in the same direction. But, but the second one is even if you don't believe in... in every, so, so let me go back to the 13 billion years and, and, and let me explain why in a certain sense it makes very little difference. Um, I had a friend of mine who moved to Toronto many years ago. And long time ago, and they didn't allow imports of cheeses um, from, from America because they have enough milk in, in, in Canada. I mean, whatever it was, either taxed highly or you weren't allowed to. And there was no Holbisol cheese at the time. So he, he set up a manufacturing place for cheese. And, and I asked him, like, I started asking about the cheeses that are six months old, three months old, you know, the kids that, and he laughed at me and he said, you know, he obviously, he, I mean, it was not gourmet cheeses, but he said, you put in an enzyme, you put in the warm thing, you add the flavoring, and you get what you want. So, so let's take two pieces of cheese. One was actually aged, um, you know, in Switzerland, somebody's in, in some barn for three months or six months. The other one was in Toronto by my friend in, in three days with enzymes. Would there be a difference? Unless you get kind of syrup and taste the difference. No, they both would show the holes, the air holes, and they would have the same sourish taste, they would have the same amount of fluid. So, so the, the universe that we see around us is an ancient universe. In certain times, the distance from the light that's coming to us. The ground that we see here is layered, you know, layered, 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 layered. In our clock, that layer is, um, is, is, a, is, is each one takes X amount of time. So the, the, the age of the earth is X amount of years, whatever. If you see a person, God forbid, who went through a very traumatic experience, they look very aged, his body responds like an old man, even though he might be 40. But, but what he's seen and gone through, his body is, is as weak as that, and so on and so forth. So the, the age in the sense of condition of it definitely has that mark. We believe, and again, I'm, 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 I, I do believe it happened rather instantly, so to speak. But at the end of the day, the facts in front of us are the same. How it happened? Now, the, the, the other piece which some which from people feel comfortable with is, how did you measure time before there was a sun and a moon? How, how do you measure time? Because time really is, a, is, time is a rate of process. So if, if in a world where things happen, this is part of Einstein's thing, if everything is going at the same speed, if let's say, if let's say we're in a closed room and somebody tampers with my clock, with my watch, and he moves the time forward, how do I know it moved forward? Well, I check it with his watch, with his watch, with his watch. 
let's say everyone's shot to the same, let's say something happened, some electromagnetic disturbance and all electric watches moved across. Impossible to tell. So I can open the windows and see the sun coming up or coming down. But if let's say it affected everything. So, so in a certain sense, when it comes to the beginning of Bracious, and, and I think there's a Chazal that expresses it so well. It says by, there's a Chazal by Vayichulu, at the end of Vayichulu. It says, Adkan, it says, Kvoid Elokim Hastadava. Until this point, the Kvod Hashemayim is to hide it. Mikan Ve'elech Kvod Melochim Chakor in other words, we know, all we know about creation basically is HaKadosh Baruch who made everything. And it couldn't have happened by itself and didn't happen by itself. The process, so we're perfectly right in saying when we drill rocks, what we're going to find as we go down, we, that, that what geologists tell us is fine. Did this come about because HaKadosh Baruch laid out layers of earth? Or in one day, the, the, the process that could have happened today in a billion years took one day? I don't know. I have no answer for that because it's like asking how do you know which cheese is which? Unless there is, is a difference, it, it's a moot point. So, so that's the way I would feel in, in, in explaining that, sort of expressing that. But I, I know, I already, I sort of know what the answer is going to be, but I still, it still bothers me what, what the purpose of, of doing so would be. What, what would be the purpose of, of, of creating something to look, you know, however many billions of years old. So, you know, in, in, let's go back to the point about what it does to a human being. It says, lift up your eyes heavenwards. We have a certain sense in the physical world that there are things we control. Anything on the earth, we can take it, we can conquer it, we can conquer any mountain, we can, we can harness anything. Heavens, so we've gotten to the moon, we, we got to Mars, we got to the planets. Something that's there beyond is beyond anything. The sense that we have when we look up, and especially now that's been intensified, that there's such a magnificence and a grandeur, it, sh it should be affecting us. I had a Rebbe, let, let, me, let me tell over some. I had a Rebbe who was an amazing person. His name was Reb Zedel Epstein's kind of Rachel. He was my Rebbe in, in RJJ, in, in, in Lower East Side that time. Um, he was my 11th and 12th grade Rebbe, and he was a Rebbe in camp. He was an amazing person. And one of, he was, he's my mind, the model of a perfect mechanic. He was an extraordinary wise person, an extraordinary tzaddik, completely no self. He also was able to address your needs, whether your issue was going to the mirror or going to brisk, or your issue was, um, it, it, it dropping Judaism. And he, and he could deal very well with, with, with any crowd. He was an amazing, amazing person. He retired at the age of 70 from his job. I shouldn't say he retired because the, the school folded, so he was left without. He went to Israel to work, to, to be over Hashem. Rav Scheinberg asked him to become Ashkech and Torah, and he stayed there until it was 100, and it was Nifta, and you know, worked another 30 years at, at being Ashkech there. He was an amazing person. But, but there was a group of boys in Yeshiva. Yeshiva had everything, a range of boys from Chassidish to non-observant. It's something that people have a hard time uh, thinking about today, but that was, that was Yeshivas in those days. And a group of boys went to a camp that he felt might not be the best for them. <laughs> and they came to the Reb, we decided we're going to XYZ. So he said, can you take a half hour and learn? He says, Reb, we can promise. I don't think we'll keep the promise. He said, how about 10 minutes? He said, you know, we really feel bad and we'd love to promise you, but I, I'm not sure we can do it. He said, okay, if I ask you one minute time a day, can you, can you give that to me and keep it? He said, he said, no way that we can't do it. He said, okay, your counselors, they, they were going to be counselors. At night, after taps, when the campers are asleep, I want you to walk outside and for one solid minute, look at the stars, it's the mountains, you could see all the stars and everything, and think about uh, the magnificent world and the grandeur that Akash Baruch has placed before us. And you know, when a person looks heavenwards, there's a sense of something bigger than you. 
It's physical, but it's, it's, it's a step above the ground. The ground begs to be conquered. If I see the Everest, it, Rev. Soloveitchik writes in Isha Muna, a fascinating introduction. I think it's an introduction. I haven't read it in a while, but he says that sci- the man of science and the man of Torah, of religion maybe, are irreconcilable. As it's not, not dinosaurs, not stones, not bones, those are nonsense. It doesn't bother him. It's not a question. It, it doesn't, doesn't interest him. He said, the man of science sees a challenge and he wants to conquer it. The man of religion is overwhelmed by it. So there is a, 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 a there's a Shemayish Hashem, Adam. Anything in this world we try to conquer. And that's our instinct. And that's a good instinct. It says, it, it, it says in the Pasik that, that, you know, redo our Shuha. That's our mandate. Shemayim, yes, we're able to prick the, the moon. The, the, you know, something else. But at the end of the day, we take a look, like you said, and you see things 13 billion light years away. You're, you're, it's, not, it's not, all you can say is, I'm small, I'm humble. There is something so much bigger than me. If you allow it to affect you, it, it can't have that hashpa. Matthew, uh, Moshe Mark. Moshe Mark from uh, Woodman, New York. Okay. Uh, how should, uh, is Rebbe had a, properly and more strong bring Hashem into every segment of their learning in all fields of learning. So I'll, I'll tell you what has been the, the Litvish approach you know, the yeshiva of the world which is again where I'm coming from was to, to, to not allow that type of thinking while you're learning but to do it before when we make a bracha beforehand and we think about it and say I'm a bright fellow, I'm curious, I learn a lot of things about the world. And that's fine. That, that satisfies my own personal needs and so on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is now about to give me the material of understanding what's right and wrong in the world. It's coming from Him. And, and we were chosen to try to understand the way He sees things as right and wrong. I, I think, if, and if you say that you Yerotzen after you finish learning, it puts it puts your learning into a framework, and, and that was the Litvish Shita, the Yeshiva Shita, Nefshachayim is, is the is it, that the learning should be totally focused on the learning, but our attitude as we approach the stender, and and the attitude as we go away from it, is is frames it appropriately. I'm a bit short on time, as, as I'm going to need to soon another five ten minutes. I have to go. Okay. okay uh, yeah. <coughs> Okay, that's, um, a, that's a smiling place, a bright place, yeah. Um, so it's pretty clear from the Torah that for some reason, we might understand why Kadosh Baruch decided to give us a Torah that it was not necessarily like explaining every single thing, like what's a soko, what's a tulin, what's a yes. and all those things. And he put into it uh, certain guidelines for Chacham to explain what that is, like Rosasim and Dabar. But where do we draw the line between Balatosit um, and Chachamim with Tarkana and enacting things and explaining things? So, so the Ramah may ask that question, actually. The Ramah may ask the Torah, and, and many Mishnahs speak about it. So you Macham to Ramah's question. It's a good call. The, the, the general rule is, and it's interesting, the Ramah himself had a big <coughs> machlokas. Now I'll, I'll tell you a, a big story. Um, the, the, the Ramah's guideline is, if, you, if, if the Chachamim say, do this because the Torah wants you to do it, and it's not true, that's Baltosif. So we have a Mesoras, what a sukkah looks like. That they have to tell us that's the Torah meaning. But if they come along and they make a Takanus Chachamim, they say Muktza is also because the Torah asks it, they're over Baltosif. If they say, we're making a Takana because people too easily will do Averis or whatever if, if, they, if they can handle Muktza, then we have a problem of Altosif. Now, I'll tell you a fascinating story. The Rambam, um, in his, this is in his letters, actually. There was in Iraq, somewhere in a big community, a, contra- a shaila about using a certain ferry on Shabbos. Not, I don't know, not clear the details, but that's, that, that was it. And the Rabbanim, some Rabban, they asked it. The Rambam had a Talmud in Iraq who sent him a letter and the Rambam was matirit. And the Rabbanim there were very upset at the Rambam. And they, maybe they put up notices against him or something. But, but you know, basically, they, they really said unkind things about him. 
And the Rambam writes back very adamantly to his Talmud. He said, if they have proofs, I'd be welcome, I'd be very happy to, you know, to change my mind. If they don't have proofs, maybe listen to what I say and their judgment. But he said, if their position is that it's mutter, but people should not do it, we feel people should stay away from it, they're 100% within their bounds to do that. But if they tell you it's usur minatoru when it's not, they're doing wrong. It's important to, to teach it properly. This is what the Torah said. And yet, Mishmeris is, if we really care about the Torah and we really think it's important, wouldn't we be careful? Imagine um, if, if somebody has a, a, a battery, a six-volt battery with a wire coming out of it. He tells somebody, you know, be careful, don't, don't touch it because it, it, you'll feel a tingle. Okay. So I, as I warned the person I feel I was Yosei Chavasa. Let's say one of these lines was down and it's alive. And I tell somebody, just be careful, don't touch it. It might give it a little bit of a tingle. You know, it's, it, it, you, don't, you wouldn't want to touch it. And sometimes I says, what would you do? And I said, I told the guy not to touch it. He said, you're crazy? You left a live wire there? I told the guy not to touch it. If we really had the sense of Zahirus, if Torah was really important, and we understood the gravity of it, Mishmeris is appropriate. Um, you know, when you build a building, they, they, when, when, if, if a guy tells you, you know, when the guy made this building, and you ask him, is it strong? He said, sure. Um, I figured there are 25 guys in a classroom. You, you need, uh, you know, a, a, a hundred balatas to hold 25 people. I put in exactly 100 balatas. You, you would be quite horrified. Um, if Torah, if Shabbos is important, and it's and it's and it's it's earth shaking, then you need to make a lot of mishmeres. So Chazal have the mesoras as to what the Torah wants, because the Torah is obviously incomplete. We don't know what second or fill is, and they also have the obligation and need to put in certain certain gedarim and gevulas. Yes, one or two more questions. What? Um, just Joseph Graham from Israelza in Jersey. Yeah. So we actually had like two speakers talk about a lot of organ donation. I was curious what Rabbi thinks about donating like a heart or whatever. Brain dead. Brain dead. So, so the, uh, on on a regular again, I I don't want to. I didn't come speak as a halachist and so on and so forth. Um, there it's sometimes it's extremely it's life saving. Um, if it is donating a heart, you run into the problem of determining death. Um, theoretically, theoretically, there is something as brain death. The problem is you can't determine it with whatever it is that we have now. In other words, a lack of a, a flat EEG does not determine it. There was somebody actually in, he has, he has a ch a children in Silver Spring who a few years ago, he fell down, was totally unconscious, and has a, had a flat brainwave, and everyone urged him to give him up for dead and to you know do donate organs. And he asked one rav, uh, I don't I remember who uh, who told him no way. Luckily, it's not acceptable. There was one person whose wife is a neurologist was furious, and the, the rav was talking about so and so forth. A few weeks later, the person is alive and well today. It's very tricky. EEGs are not, uh, the person's life, I think, he's a little bit worse for the wear, but he's walking and talking and so on. Um, it, it, the only thing, if there is a physical <coughs> disconnection between the, 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 the brain and the spine, halakhically that's called dead. Rav Shalmazalman's point is, there is a theoretical position like that. We don't have, and you're not allowed to take a person in that situation and put him to an MRI for that purpose. It's tricky because most of the imaging of soft tissues is not exact enough. An x-ray is usually pretty exact. Pretty, even though it's not, again, when you have a lot of fluids, it's difficult. So, so on a big picture, um, when it comes to the declaring death, halachically, it's, a, it's not pushed at all to use. There is a situation of absolute brain palpitation, but I don't, I, I believe Rav Shlomo Zalman said, I mean, he writes that we don't have any tool that can give us that halakhic certainty. Yeah. So in yeshiva and in general, I feel like rabbis and a lot of people, they push like loving, loving Judaism, loving learning. So that makes a lot of sense to continue that you're going to 
to make sure you just do that forever. Let's say I, let's say I knew that I was going to dominate every day, I was going to learn every day, no matter what. Why is it necessarily better to love doing it if I'm going to do it regardless? Let, it, uh, you can maybe even say it's better. Let's say I hate dominating, but I dominate anyways. That shows, like, even though I hate it so much, I'm doing it because I know I'm commanded to. I know God's commanding me to. If anything to me, that might sound a little better than loving the dog. Because if I'm loving the dog in any ways, maybe that's I'm doing it because I like it. Because I'm so let me give you, l l let's take a, a, an interesting thought. Let's take our senses. Um, let's take smell. There are things that smell good, the things that smell bad, and many things don't smell. You know, just that's the way it is. There are things that look bad, things look good, and things that are neutral. There's one sense that doesn't work, and that's taste. If you can taste things that are good, there are things that are bad. If I ask you, what does it taste like? Styrofoam, neither good nor bad. Could, could you eat that? No. It, it, unless it tastes, I mean, you can force yourself, you can push down your throat, anything. <coughs> but but you, 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 you don't mind being in a room that's not nice, not not nice. You don't mind if it's odor-free, it's fine and, and so on. But, but, but this, and the reason is because anything that a person needs to integrate himself, anything that a person needs to make part of his self, unless he wants to, it won't. In other words, I can do things that I don't particularly care for, but it'll never become me, because almost by definition, the me is what I want to do. And unless I allow it to become part of myself, and for that it has to be attractive. It's just like I can, I can have people in my class that I'm not friendly with, I'm not, not friendly with the nine people, I have nothing against it, and it's fine. I can have a roommate like that. I can't get married to somebody where, where my only question is what's wrong with her. I, I don't like her, but is she anything bad? Nothing bad. But, but, but you know, it, it, I mean, a good shatran may be able to pull it off, but, but it, it's, it's not something, because to, to become one with something, to become, to become something, to become self, you need to want, you need ava. And therefore, unless mitzvahs are to us kind of other things outside, then we can't, then, then, then we're not going to be able to, to, to deal it. Okay, I, I think I, I just, I, I need to, I'm sorry, I have to, have to be in Shiva. Maybe one more question, that's it. Who, who's not going to sleep tonight if he's not going to get his question? Who can't sleep tonight? Avi, from where are you? Okay. Um, there's like a whole discussion right now. I, I, I heard a little bit part of the discussion of whether or not Adam and Chava is physical or just a way of understanding a concept of Judaism. What's Rebbe's opinion on that? Well, almost all the Rishonim say that you must take the Torah literal except for places. The first person I know in history who didn't was um, Pliny, the, 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 the Jew, and he was, um, you know, and, and that's, I, I believe that occurs because what's the boundary? Avram could be a concept. Yitzhak could be a concept. Yaakov could be a concept. Maybe the land of Israel is a concept. You know, it, it maybe it doesn't mean the land of Israel. Maybe it means a place where Jewish society flourishes. Why these trees in these, in these places? There's, we're drawing a line. Um, and, and we, we need to understand things now. The Rishonim say it obviously has a lot more meaning and there's a lot more depth to it, and that's perfectly fine. But once we go with Adam Chava as not being, why draw the line on Adam Chava? Unless we have a clear Chazal that might indicate that, then, then once, once it starts unraveling, at Avram, it's convenient, anything you want. To, you know, maybe pig doesn't mean anything bad, like the, like, you know, like the early Christian thinkers. It was kind of more the idea behind it. Um, unless we, 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 it says in the Mishayim, it's called Edus, Edus Hashem Nemana. And I think the Ran says this, if I'm not mistaken, or the Ikrim. Why is Torah called Edus? It says testimony. Imagine I come along and I say, Reuven killed Shimon. And me and somebody else, we say, Reuven killed Shimon. Yes, on this, this day, yes. Then, to my misfortune, Adam Zomim, Adam come and the Mazimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
the Mazimos, they say, you, say, I didn't mean I killed them. I, I meant that I took advantage of them. I meant that I embarrassed them. And like it says in Chazal, that if you mount Pechavero, it's, it's, it's Kilo Hargo. I meant that it was Machti, because when you give to, cause them to an affair, it's worse than killing. Besson will say, well, save your trashes for your funeral, because that's, you know, you're a Zoman. Aedus has to be literal. You know, it's, it, it, and Torah is called Aedus. If we can't take it literal, then nothing means nothing. I will take every mitzvah literal except for the ones that I don't like. The mitzvahs I don't like, I will tell you beautiful joshes about them. Stealing doesn't mean stealing. It means not giving credit where credit is due. So sometimes we had to car, Ruvain earned it, but I liberated it, and I took it for myself. <laughs> you know, it, it's, so I gave him credit. He's the guy who, 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 who earned the money and made it, but I took it. It needs to be, you know, there needs to be points that are emis. And that, and without that, then, 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 then we have nothing. Then we have a collection of stories from A to Z. Does okay. know the other side? What? Does Rebbe know the other side? The, the side that says that it's not? What, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know what the argument is. I, the argument is why? What's the basis for it? I, I'm, I'm saying what we've shown that I know, and, and it, it, the question is, if the Torah says so, if one's part of the Torah, if you tell me that any part of the Torah is not literal, where, why, where do I stop? I, I, I don't know, I, I'd be happy to hear from you on the other side or another side or whatever. But, but if you ask me the question, you ask me, that's, that's my response to it. Okay, good. The Seder. Well